We're starting a new series this weekend at Salem Alliance called The Upper Room, Living the Upstairs Life of My Downstairs World. Um, and each week we're going to just be sharing a resource that we're going to have available at Pursuits. Uh, i got a book written uh, by Francis Chan. Uh, it's called Forgotten God. And uh, this book, it, it, it's a book on the Holy Spirit because that's, that's what the series is about. Uh, it's, the, the subtitle is Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so that might be a resource for you if you're trying, the whole idea of the Holy Spirit is a, is a new one to you, uh, that resource will be there. We're going to try and provide a different resource uh, each week that you can, we can point you to that'll be at Pursuits, uh, and we'll provide it as, as cheap as we can, as our purchase price will just pass on to you uh, as a resource for you. So uh, this series we're beginning uh, is a series of you know, the upper room, living the upstairs life in my downstairs world. And really what this comes from is, is some of my, uh, my, even my own experiences. Uh, years ago, my, my dad uh, invited my brother and I to go to this event. Um, I won't bore you the details of what that event was, but it was an event where I, I really sensed I connected with God in a new way. Um, I, was, uh, I, I was in business, I was an uh, operations manager for a manufacturing company, and as I, I left that event and was going back to my nine to five, so to speak, um, one of the questions I had was, how do I integrate my, my new experience, my, my new understanding of who God is into my nine to five? How do I take, and, you know, to use the language here of the upper room, how do I te- take my upper room experience and, and live that upstairs life in my downstairs world. And your, your, your downstairs world can look like, you know, changing diapers. It could be, you know, cleaning people's teeth. It could be teaching a high school class, driving a bus, driving a truck, uh, you know, checking someone's pulse at the hospital. It, it's, it's all the things we do. But how do we take these moments when we're, we're, we're connecting with God in some significant ways and then weave them in, work them in to our day-to-day life? Um, that's what this series is, is all about. And m- my encounter happened at an event. Your encounters, your, your connecting points, they, they may happen. I was talking to someone last night. They were saying they really struggled with depression. And they were just driving in their car and had a moment where it felt like God's presence was just suddenly so real in their car. And, and it just felt like the, the, the depression was, was lifting. And, and the question was, how do I take that experience and, and bring it into my routine? This sermon is a hit with this baby over here, I can tell. And it's totally okay. No, no worries. That just, that just happens. So and you're not bothering me. Uh, and, and so how do we integrate that into, into our life? How do we make that, how, make that happen? Um, and and that's, just, that's just what this series is all about. Your, your, your points of connecting may have been going to the beach for a weekend, and you really met God there, going on a hike through the woods, and you just got some alone time, some quiet time, and you're wondering, man, how do I bring that to my routine, my daily grind, my diaper-changing moments, my driving the bus moment, my teaching a class moment? That's what this series is all about. Um, and really what it's embedded in is, is obviously scripture, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and I just want to say this up front, the evangelical church, I'm just paint two broad strokes. First stroke is this, the evangelical church, big C church, has a rich history of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We, we know who this Holy, Holy Spirit is. We, we know what he does. We know who he is. We know he's part of the triune God. He's, he's part of the Trinity. He's the third person. And we have great understanding, intellectual understanding of who he is. Yet, I would say on the flip side, uh, the evangelical church has a major 
problem when it comes to the Holy Spirit because while we have a good understanding of the doctrine of the Spirit, what we do not possess is a practical theology of the Spirit, meaning how do I practically relate to God in my day-to-day life? What does this look like? How do I live this out? What are the, 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 the real ways that I can connect? How can I have a true, deep friendship with God? That, that, that will be unveiled for us. This story is not to give, this the series is not to give you a, a, a series of facts about who God is. Th- that'll come. In fact, that book, uh, uh, The Forgotten God, has some of that in it. But really what this whole series is about is based on our understanding. I think we have the doctrine of the Spirit. We're going to be talking about how to practically engage in friendship with the Spirit. That's what the series is about. And uh, the upper room, there's upper room experiences before the crucifixion of Christ. And there's upper room experiences after uh, the ascension of Christ, uh, Acts 2, the Pentecost moment. And that's probably the one that's talked more about. And we'll definitely talk about that because that has great implications for us as a church. But we need, also need to understand that on the front end, Jesus was talking to his closest friends, his disciples. And he was telling them, he was really expressing this anticipation that was rising in him. Not necessarily to go to the cross because that was going to be painful but an expectation and an anticipation that one day he would ascend to the Father and this beautiful gift would be given to everyone, the gift of the Spirit. And he was trying to explain this to his disciples. Let me just read a few selected verses that really speak to who the Spirit is from John 14, 15, and 16. Uh, You can just hear these words as I read them. It says, I will ask, this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. But when the Father sends the advocate, my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. And then chapter 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will, he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. And, and the disciples were all confused about this because they didn't understand that Jesus was leaving. And, and, and yet later, Acts 2, Pentecost, the, the reality of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit coming was experienced. And they left that upper room and lived that upper room life in their downstairs world. They, begin, they began to, to practically embrace the spirit-filled life. And, and that's what we are going to be talking about in, in this series. And I just want to say from the very, very beginning, when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit, something in, there's usually a reaction with, with us, or in us, because uh, we've, we've all had our experiences. And uh, we've got our stereotypes. We have our, our, our baggage that we bring with us. Because we've met people and they talk about the Holy Spirit nonstop, but you see none of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Or on the flip side, we talk with someone and they have such a scholarly, theoretical understanding of who the Spirit is, yet they have no practical life of the Spirit in them. And so we bring with us our own perspectives and our own baggage. We've seen the abuses. We've seen the neglect. And I just want to invite us from the very beginning of this series to take our bags and just put them down and journey through this with, uh, without the baggage. And, and, and let, let the scriptures speak and tell us what this looks like. 
So I just want to, because this is just a reality. This is a reality for, for all of us. We, we bring our biases, and my fear is that it's keeping us from engaging in the friendship that God so, so longs for us to enjoy with him. So, beginning the journey, uh, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to a good friend of mine. His name is Richard Baxter. Here's his picture. Uh, I never really met him, never knew him. I, I think he's the inventor of the beanie, in case you're wondering. Um, Baxter is a Puritan uh, preacher, okay? And, and Baxter... Uh, and the Puritans had a great understanding of how to live the Christian life, what it looked like. Um, you know, they, they had their own issues, like we all have our own issues, right? But, but I thought, I think that the, the Puritans have a good grasp on what it looks like to live the Christian life. And Baxter, along with other Puritan pre- preachers, um, and by the way, Baxter was kind of known the pastor to the pastors. Uh, he, he was one who was very respected. And Baxter taught that every Christ follower had to possess three callings on their life that they need to fully embrace. Three paths that they needed to get their, their arms around and, and fully live out. Three callings. So here, here's the first calling. The first calling is a specific calling. And I'll flesh this out in a bit. Specific calling, common calling is the next one. And then the highest calling. These three callings. And uh, the, the Puritans uh, talked a lot about this. And let's, let me just flesh this out a bit. Specific calling, this is, this is our vocation or our job. And the discovery of our vocational calling is a process of understanding who we are, a realization of our creation gifts, and the sovereign work of God in us. The Holy Spirit reveals this to us. You know, when you were going to graduate from high school or college, one of the things you were wondering is, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? What's, what's your will for my life? You, you're trying to understand what your specific calling is. Others of us just filled out applications and just hoped we could get a job. And so whether it was intentional or, or unintentional, the sovereign work of God of placing us right where he wanted us happened. And this is, our, this is our specific calling. This is the job that we have. This is what we give ourselves to. Now, the Puritans, you know, Baxter was really standing on the shoulders of those, uh, those who, who led in the Reformation. And, uh, and so the whole idea of vocation or, or job was really, some, there's some new dimension to it that wasn't appreciated uh, prior to the Reformation. Um, put, put this quote up here by uh, Martin Luther. Um, because, I'm going to read here in a second, but the, the idea was that before the Reformation, really, if you wanted to please God, the job that you needed to have had to do something with the church. You needed to be a pastor, a priest, or a monk, because, man, that really made God happy. Eh, if you didn't really make the grade, you could be a baker. Yeah you, yeah, you could be a blacksmith. But if you really wanted to please God, you needed to serve the church. Now, in the Reformation, they, the 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 ones who led the Reformation understood, no, no, no. Every vocation, every specific calling can glorify God. We, we can worship God by being great employees in whatever we do. Great employers. And that, that can be worship. So Luther, he, he's debunking that whole idea. And he says, the works of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they be, do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the work of a rustic laborer in the field or a woman going about her household tasks. Hit the pause button there because uh, Luther would have got encouragement cards from people if, I, if he said that today. I think that era, okay? Think, think that era. 
so a rustic labor in the field or a woman going about her household tasks, but that all works are measured before God by faith alone. What Luther did, what the Reformationists did is they, they just leveled the playing field and said, hey, if you're a priest, that, that's, that's great. If, if, if you're a farmer, fantastic. Do it for the glory of God. Live out your specific calling. So that, that's the first calling. Second calling is the common calling. And these are the many commands of Scripture that apply to all of God's people in every time and every place. These include instructions like love one another, don't gossip, encourage one another, do not steal. The Scriptures reveal this to us. This, you know, the Bible, the Scriptures reveal to us. It doesn't matter how, how old you are. It doesn't matter what, where you live. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is or the sex, uh, socioeconomic status that you have is. It, it, this is common calling as Christ followers of how to align our life and walk in this path, this narrow way in following God. It's common to all Christians. So that's the common calling. And then we get to the highest calling. Uh, highest calling, as Baxter defines it, is this is the call to deep friendship with Jesus. When we dwell in his presence, hear from him, talk to him, sit with him, walk with him, commune, abide, and relate to him personally, we embrace this calling. The Holy Spirit reveals to us how to do this. Now, I'm going to put all those three callings back up there. And on the right-hand side, I'm going to talk about, how, just show you how this, these callings are then lived out. So specific calling, Holy Spirit. Common calling is Scripture. And by the way, the Holy Spirit wrote Scripture. And the highest calling is the Holy Spirit. And here, here comes our problem because we have a great doctrine of who the Holy Spirit is. We got our, our, our systematic theology books. We can read all the facts. But as the evangelical church, as it, it broad strokes here, Big C Church, we have very little practical theology of how to be in friendship or how to fellowship with the Spirit, as Paul writes in the end of 2 Corinthians. So what happens is you just draw a line through the Holy Spirit and, and that's how these callings are, are realized, which then, I'm just talking about the highest calling, we draw a line through that and we don't know how to live out the highest calling because we have no practical theology of the Spirit. But what we do is we take our common calling, we take the scriptures, and we elevate the scriptures up here, and we've made the scriptures the highest calling. And we say things like, I just want to go deep in God, so I just want to learn more. I want to gather more information because then, then, I, then I can go deep. Uh, or I want to go to church where I get fed. I, 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 want, I want more. We've reduced a relationship, a friendship with God that was so dynamic and it's been reduced to intellectualism. It's been reduced to a, a, a no more about God. Now, these are broad strokes, but, but my sense is that we've lost our ability to relate to God because we do not have a practical understanding of how to be in fellowship with the Spirit who is the one who makes that happen. So, it brings, it, it causes us to struggle. In fact, we begin to be skeptical, maybe even cynical, of, of, of people who, who talk about having a personal relationship with God. In fact, that's why we got into this in the first place, right? It was a friendship with God, personal. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. But then you get into it, and you go, this is so not personal. So I just wanted to show you how the common calling has been made the highest calling from a story from my own life. Um, I went to boarding school in, uh, in Malaysia, and that's exactly what I sounded like when I would get on a plane and go. 
and, and actually, it was, it, was a, it was a great experience. The boarding school was a, actually a great experience for me. My parents were in Hong Kong. I went to school in Malaysia. And, um, and, you know, it's like any school. I have my math classes, my science classes. This was a Christian boarding school. And uh, so we had Bible classes. And in my senior high years, um, my, my, in fact, my senior year, we studied the book of the Bible. And then during the course of the year, we'd have to memorize Bible verses. And uh, in fact, over the course of the year, 72 verses we had to memorize. In our final exam, we had to write them all out by hand. Um, and uh, one of the verses that, that we were taught to memorize was Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. It was in this Bible memorization plan. Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. How shall a young man keep his way pure? Uh, you know, I'll put it up here on the screen. Put the verse. Uh, how shall a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is really a phenomenal verse for me because as a high schooler, I, I wanted to keep my way pure because I wanted to please God. I want to live an obedient life. And, uh, and so the answer to this opening question was really crucial to me. How do I keep my way pure? By living according to your word. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So I study, study, study. And I memorize, memorize, memorize. And, I, and I'm really grateful for those years. Honestly, I really am because much of who I am today is shaped by those years. Grade school, studying God's word. Middle school, studying God's word. High school, studying God's word. College, not so much. And afterwards, keep diving in and studying God's word. And it shaped who I am. But here's the deal. I got into college and after college and I couldn't keep my way pure. And I was doing everything it said. And I was wondering, what is the disconnect? What, what's going on here? And, and then it flashed in my mind one day. I, I thought, Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11. What, what's verse 10? Why, why do we go 9 and then 11? Here's what verse 10 says. I seek you with all my heart. I don't know, that sounds kind of important. Don't let me stray from your commands. And it just dawned on me. What I was taught is, you want to keep your way pure, you want to please God, then you get this thing in your mind, and that'll straighten you out. And what was edited out was the relationship. Seeking God with all your heart. And so we do, we, we took this verse, and this next slide shows the verse, we just edited out. The relationship part, and we took our common calling, and we made it our highest calling. And then I had another discovery. You know, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I always thought the word was scripture. The Old Testament, most, most is written in, in Hebrew, and that word word in Hebrew actually has, doesn't mean book. doesn't mean scripture. It means speech. How can a young person, how can a young woman, man, keep his or her way pure? By living according to what you say, to your speech. I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands or your sayings. I have hidden your speech in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, that sounds drastically different. Radically different. Now, please do not hear me say that I'm devaluing Scripture. The, you know, the common calling is revealed by Scripture. We have a speaking God. He was speaking in Genesis, and he was speaking all the way through Revelation, and he's still speaking. Some people would say, you know, Hebrews 1 says, says that, you know, in, in the days gone by, the prophets spoke, but in these days, Jesus spoke. And some come to the conclusion, well, then that's it. There's no more speaking. 
Well, newsflash, he's alive. <laughs> he's still speaking, right? Revelation, there's the end of Revelation, and, and some people say, well, you know, no, no adding to the book, no taking away, or bad things will happen. And I'll say, so no, no more speech. Well, no, no, John's intent was don't add to the visions, don't add to the revelation of that, that particular letter. He's not saying God's done talking. God is a communicator. John 10, he's, he said, my sheep know my voice. He's still speaking. Yet what's happened is because we don't understand practically how to live out the highest calling, we've elevated the common calling to be the highest calling and we've increasingly confused ourselves thinking that the more I know, the deeper the friendship will be. And what I'm saying to you the front of this series is the more you know, the deeper the friendship will be. I want to give you practical steps of how you can do that. But whenever it comes to this whole idea of of embracing the gift. I mean, Jesus was excited about the Spirit being revealed and released to us. But whenever we go there, we just, we just kind of get a little edgy. Like, okay, where's he going? What's Fowler doing? You know, we're going to be one of those churches, I guess. Whew. What, what does that mean? In fact, here, let me just put a quote up here. The great theologian Colby Holloway said this. By the way, Colby, he's, he's not a great theologian. He's actually one of our RTI students. Uh, but we, we were in class last week, and, and this, is, this is what Colby asked. Why is it when someone says they want to be filled with the Spirit, we think they're crazy? Why is it when someone says, oh, I just want the fullness of the Spirit, we're going to say, yeah, you, gotta, you really need a balanced approach to this. You really need to be careful. You know, don't get too wild. Don't be too stale. And, and uh, Francis Chan, his book, uh, I think, speaks to this whole idea of pursuing balance. He says, when we're referring to God, balance is a huge mistake. God is not just one thing we add to the mix called life. Seeking a healthy balance of the Holy Spirit assumes that there are some who have too much of the Holy Spirit and others who have too little. I have yet to meet anyone with too much of the Holy Spirit. I think Chan really nails it on the head there. Years ago, my father-in-law was a chain smoker. He, he, he smoked uh, unfiltered camels. And for those of you who know nothing about cigarettes, let your pastor teach you. Uh, okay? Because uh, we're, not, we're not talking animals, okay? We're talking about a brand. And unfiltered camels, that, that, that is really bad for you, okay? And, uh, and he had a heart attack. And the, doc told, the doctor told him, um, you, you got to quit smoking. If, if you want to live, you got to quit smoking. He, he quit cold turkey. He just, done. He replaced him with lifesavers. But he, he went from cigarettes to lifesavers, but he, he was done smoking. He was three years into this journey of quitting smoking. And, um, uh, and I asked him, we were, I, we were, I think we were playing cards or something, and I said, do, do you still crave cigarettes? And he said, oh, man, do I crave cigarettes? said, you know, I'm in the store, and I see, one who's, see somebody who's smoking. I just walk over to them, and I just start breathing deeply. <sighs> May not be able to put one in my mouth, but I'm going to suck in all the air I can, right? There's a strong desire that's still in him for, for the cigarette. And he says, in fact, if I smell cigarette smoke on someone, I'll look, and I'll look at their fingers, and their fingers are even a little bit yellow. I just... It was as if I could, just, I could walk over there and just suck on their fingers. Now, I know that sounds disturbing, and it is disturbing. 
But it's just, this secondhand experience was just strong. And I know some of you are going, where in the world is he going with this? <laughs> Exodus 19 is where I'm going. Exodus 19, God tells the children of Israel, in the, they're in the wilderness, you will be a kingdom of priests. What's a priest? A priest is someone who's with God and mediates God to others who aren't with him. You are going to be a kingdom of priests. And then God's presence comes on Mount Sinai, and God invites the people up the mountain. And the people say to Moses, Moses, you go up that mountain. We don't want to go up there. You go up in that mountain. You talk to God. You hear from God. You come down, and you tell us what he said, and we'll suck your fingers. You go up in that. You listen to God. He'll tell you what, and you come down and tell us what they said is we don't want firsthand revelation from God. We will take it secondhand. And how many of us have embraced this whole lifestyle of secondhand revelation? We've sucked on the fingers of those who smoked the cigarettes. We could have smoked our own. I lost some of you there, all right? <laughs> but I think, I think you know where I'm going. It's an invitation to have a personal relationship with the living God. And it isn't theoretical. It's real. And the invitation is not only there, that it's been empowered by a person. But the problem is, is we've edited the Trinity to become God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. And the scriptures themselves are a treasure. Again, do not hear me saying anything that would demean the scriptures, but we need to understand that God is a person who is a father. He's a great dad. He's, he's a son. He's a son that would sacrifice his life. And it's a spirit, the one who empowers us to live, who guides us into all truth, who comforts us, who teaches us, who reminds us, and tells us what to come. How does that happen? That's what this series is all about. As we climb the stairs to our upper room, then we can come down the stairs and integrate the upper room life in our downstairs world. We're not gonna answer all the questions, but hopefully we'll spark a little something in you to pursue this life and embrace the fullness of God as he truly is. Let me close with this one story because it impacts us as a church. John Stumble, formerly pastor of Sam Lanch Church, used to say in leadership circles, he used to say, pose this question, who are we becoming by what we are increasingly consistently doing? Meaning, whatever we do, who are we becoming by what we are consistently and increasingly doing? I want to take John's question, it was a profound question, I want to twist it a bit and say, who are we becoming by what we are consistently and increasingly not doing? Now, hear me out on this. We love Christmas, and we should. We, we pull out all the stops every December. We got songs. We take four weeks in, in our services, and we, we celebrate the incarnation, that God took on flesh, a baby in a manger, born in Bethlehem. We celebrate that, and we should. And as a church, we're growing in our, in our embracing. I'm proud of who you are as a church, that you're embracing the sufferings of Christ. We, we, our Good Friday services are an expression of that. Our way of the cross experience is an expression of embracing the sufferings of Christ. And because what that does is it really platforms well Easter. We pull out all the stops on Easter so we can celebrate Easter. But when Pentecost comes, 
after we've completely celebrated Christmas and we've embraced the sufferings of Christ on Good Friday and we, we shout the message of the empty tomb, when Pentecost comes, we say nothing. And what does that say about us? This moment in which the prophets prophesied that what was written on stone, speaking of the commandments, is now being written on human hearts, on flesh. Joel in chapter 2 says that one day, there's a day coming when the Spirit will be poured on all men, all women. There would be dreams and visions. And it used to be in the Old, in the Old Testament that it was just on certain people, you know, prophets, priests, and kings. But there's a day coming when women... And men will dream dreams and have visions, young and old. Everyone will experience the living power of the risen Christ within them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet when Pentecost rolls around, we're silent. So, as a church, we've made a commitment that we're not going to be silent anymore. And that, that's why next week we have a prayer night uh, on Pentecost. Now, if you can't be there, don't be guilted and shamed. Oh, I didn't go. And then, you know, that's not the point. The point is to start building into our rhythms a recognition of God's activity in his people. And in a Salem Alliance way, we, we want to be people who remember the gift of the Spirit and embrace that life so that he can fill us again and again. And again, let's pray. So Lord, we thank you that you are a personal God. Thank you, we celebrate your fullness. Thank you that there's an open seat at the table with you and that you have things to say to us. Things that will encourage us affirm us, challenge us, and even convict us. But that's like any friendship. So we just say to you, we want to embrace it. Would you teach us how to live out that highest calling? Would you teach us to treasure your word? Would you empower us by your spirit to live it out in our specific callings, wherever that may be? Be glorified as we seek by the Spirit's power to follow after you. Amen.